It is so good to be with you all. Um, Angela, my lovely wife, uh, was with you, I think, maybe three or four weeks ago, maybe four. And uh, I, I can't remember the last time I was out at QE2. I, does anyone remember? It would, it would be so memorable, I'm sure you'll be able to tell me exactly when it was. I just can't remember uh, when I was here last. But it's great to be with you today. And, you know, um, Jeremiah... Thanks, Nick. Jeremiah... Um, shared with you earlier about Christmas in the lane. And I had someone at the Levita campus say to me, so we're not having church on that Sunday? Because we're having Christmas in the lane. And I want to encourage you, that is a false understanding of church. It is church. We are gathering under that one name, and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus together. It just happens to be in a park. It just happens that we've invited the entire community and parts of our city to come. So I'm saying to you, don't stay home because you think you're missing out on church. It is church. Wherever God's people gather and lift up that name, we're having church. And remember this, we are the church. Church is not just a gathering. You are the church. I am the church. So come next weekend. I know it's way across town. Uh, Two weekends time. Way across. That's why you were meant to give the notices, not me. Uh, Way across town. Make sure you come and bring someone with you because we believe it's going to be a great, great blessing. Is that, is that all right? Yeah. Who's um, excited about the buildings sitting out here actually getting finished? Yes. Uh, have you seen those buildings still sitting unfinished? Yes. Uh, what a journey we've had with these buildings. So, so it's been a nightmare to try and get these buildings finished. I just thought I'd touch on it for a few moments. Um, because we missed a window of weather where we could get a big heavy crane on site because the ground is too soft. So we missed our window to get those buildings put on, which is also why we've missed our window to get our builders here on site. And uh, they, they, they are difficult builders to get to turn up. So what we've done is we've agreed a contract to them to get it to Lockable, and then we've sacked them. And we're going to get some new builders uh, who are going to be able to finish those buildings for us. But here's the awesome thing. In the midst of delay, God is still at work. Because I have a meeting next weekend with the Ministry of Social Development to engage them to help pay, if not to pay for all of that building to get finished. So within the delay, I decided I would reach out to the Ministry of Social Development, tell them our entire story as a church. No hiding Jesus in the middle of this. We are a Christ-centered. This is the heartbeat and vision of these buildings that young people would come to find faith in Christ. And, and I got a straight away an email reply saying, come see us. Let's sit down and talk about how we can partner with you guys to make a difference at QE2. So in the midst of delay, sometimes we go, what's God up to? Let's trust God in the midst of it that he's got a bigger plan and a bigger picture. Does that sound all right? I think it's pretty exciting. We're believing next year for you guys as you build in 2023, some pretty exciting things are going to happen as young people come to find faith in Jesus Christ for themselves. I better get on to my message because Jeremiah said I had to be finished so we could get to the main event, which is Oliver's baby dedication. So, uh, so I'll try not to be too long. Um, today really is just a grab of what I felt God has been stirring in my heart um, over the last few weeks. If you were at Levita last week, I apologize because you've already heard this message. But the first thing I felt to share with the church is simply to tell you that God loves you. As I've been waiting and contemplating and praying, that's the simple words that I felt God say. Just tell the church, tell my people that I love them. And he really does love you. I had a few moments over the past several weeks where that's simply all God said to me, encourage the church. I'm looking for great words from God, by the way, deep, insightful revelation words. And God says, just tell them I love them. No doubt for most of you, your first response is that you know that. I know that. I know that to be true. However, do you really grasp the magnitude of that statement when I say to you that God loves you? As we come to Christmas and we begin to sing carols and we begin to exalt and worship God and thank him for sending Jesus, have we really grasped? In our hearts, the magnitude of the love of God 
to send Christ to the earth? Have we, have we really got it in our hearts? Paul the Apostle wants to help us learn how we can actually grasp this love of God. And I want to read to you today from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through to 19. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I ask you, do you grasp? Have you grasped? See, Paul is praying here that you would have power to grasp this love. It will take something beyond your human reason and human understanding to be able to grasp the depths of God's love for you. Did you see in his prayer, the Holy Spirit is present? To do what? To illuminate and refresh revelation and to help us grasp how deep and wide and long and high is the love of God found in Christ Jesus, to go beyond your intellect, to receive and grasp the depth of this incredible love for us in Christ. Despite the world around us, despite your circumstances, despite our experiences, despite our disappointments or our fears, our worries, or the consumption of terrible daily news, despite our family history or our sense of loneliness, despite our losses and despite our pain, Paul's prayer is that you would have the power to grasp. In other words, to really lay hold of how wide. What does that speak of? That speaks of the all-encompassing love of God. That's a picture of the Father with his arms wide open. That's the width of God's love. It's embracing. It's up close. It's personal. It's not distant and it's not corporate. This is God the Father up close and personally wanting you to grasp how much he loves you. So how wide, how long, the eternal grasp of the love of God, this foreverness of God's love, unending, unmeasurable love of God for you. How high? In other words, you cannot escape the love of God found in Christ Jesus. No matter how much you may not feel worthy of the love of God, his love can reach you. How deep? In other words, it touches and affects every part of our lives if we will allow it too. Even our darkest and most hidden concerns, the love of God can reach. It can reach your personal life, the depths of your personal life. It can reach the depths and the darkness of a city or a community or a nation or the nations of the world. That's how powerful the love of God is found in Christ Jesus. He really loves you. He knows every situation that's in this room today. He knows what you're facing. He knows what worries you. He knows what causes stress inside of you. He knows the mistakes that you've made. He knows your wrong thinking. He knows the areas of disobedience in your life. Places and areas of your life where you're simply not giving God control. God knows what is going on. Maybe you're not doing what he asked. He knows how you feel about him. Some of you have great joy in your relationship with God. And others, you've got hidden disappointments in him. God knows it all. Some of you feel you've not done enough for God and somehow you've missed his plan for your life. Some of us live with deep regrets over decisions that we've made. 
Things like, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't selfless enough. I wasn't a good enough parent. I wasn't a good enough grandparent. I didn't give enough. I didn't sacrifice enough. I didn't turn up enough. I wasn't present enough. And we can live with all kinds of disappointments in our life. And God's response to all of that was simply for me to say to you, he loves you. Despite everything else I just said, God wants you to grasp afresh in your heart how much he loves you. That's what he wants you to know. And I pray that you will have the power, like Paul the Apostle prayed, along with all God's holy people, to grasp that love afresh in your hearts this Christmas season. You see, for me, that's the only sustainable strategy for success in ministry to our world, wherever it is that God sends us, and God sends all of us, wherever you get sent during your week. This is the only strategy that lasts, is to know that you are loved and in turn love others from that place. So hear me again when I say God loves you, even as I say that in this room, there are both natural and spiritual battles that rage over that truth. The enemy does not want that truth to settle in your heart for you to truly know how much God loves you and the depths of that love. And there are also natural battles, but there are spiritual battles that happen. Some of you who might be minimizing it in your minds with the year, of course I know that God loves me. However, in a blasé attitude towards the love of God and the power of that, we can miss his love moment to moment. And others who are fighting with their thoughts still over whether you feel worthy to receive that love or not. It was never about your ability to make yourself worthy. God made us each worthy in Christ by laying our mistakes, our mess, and our shortcomings upon our Savior. Making us worthy and righteous. Come on, this should get an amen in the room. This should get something of excitement happening again in your hearts because it's, it's a truth we've got to grab over and over and over. He made you worthy. He made you right, righteous through Christ, giving you, you the right to become a child of God. You are loved despite how you feel or despite what you've done. That is the truth. God loves you. That's all you get today. And I was to sit down now, then that's probably enough. Shall we vote? <laughs> or should I keep going? See, that's the place we live from. That's the place we serve from. That is the firm foundation we build our lives upon, is the love of God found in Christ Jesus. That's the place of our great security, is in the knowledge of God's love. And the reality is we cannot fully trust God unless we first have that firm foundation in place. And we won't truly serve God unless we are consumed with that love for others. If I'm going to live a life that's going to have an influence, that's going to touch other people's lives, I've got to know the love of God in my heart so that I can in turn love others the way he would have me love them. See, it's a real challenge to sustain our obedience to God if we truly don't trust him or know the depths of his love for us. We can see in the story of Joshua and the Israelites conquering Jericho, it's Joshua chapter 5. We don't have time to go into it all, but Joshua is scouting out Jericho and he looks up and he sees before him a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn. And Joshua inquires of the man, are you for us or are you against us? Many of you will know the story. And the man answers, neither. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua falls on his face in reverence and asks, what message has the Lord for his servant? He is told to remove his sandals, for now he is on holy ground. This is a moment like Moses with the burning bush. Moses, remove your sandals, for now you're on holy ground. In other words, this is a place that you are about to meet 
with God, God is going to reveal himself. Then the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Joshua 6 verse 2, for your reference. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. This is a promise directly from the throne room of God. Joshua, take courage, for I will deliver Jericho into your hands. But then the Lord gives what feels like strange orders to Joshua to march around the city once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times until you hear a loud blast of the trumpets. Then have everyone, it says, everyone give a large shout and the walls will come down. The promise is given, but then there is this requirement for obedience on behalf of God's people. From the enemy's perspective, this would have been a complete laugh. The walls of Jericho were impenetrable. No one goes in and no one comes out. And for the soldiers of the Israelite army, why not just engage in battle? Because we've already received God's promise. This Jericho is going to be handed over to us. So why the strange instructions? Why the, the, the this is what I expect of you, word from God? But the Lord had given Joshua instructions. There was a journey to go on. Here's my question this morning. How many of us want the answers without the journey? How many of us want the instant miracle and response of God without the journey? Receive a promise to then fail in obedience. See, there was both things. Yes, there was a promise of God, but it would require obedience to see it fulfilled. And one of the characteristics of Joshua's leadership was obedience. This deep trust in the voice of God to say yes to God. It's obedience that would lead to breakthroughs throughout Joshua's life and leadership. If you get a chance to read the story, you'll see that the angel that appeared to Joshua with his sword drawn does not appear again. Yet the stranger we read about was a heavenly being. Now theologians argue one of two possibilities. Either the Lord visited Joshua or an angel did. The reason theologians believe it was God is because remove your sandals for now you stand on holy ground was another moment like Moses had where he would encounter the Lord firsthand. But other theologians argue that it was just an angel. But either way, it was a message from the throne room of God for Joshua. His presence was a sign that the Lord is the real military leader of the conquest of Jericho. Boy, do we need to understand this. Sometimes we think we are responsible for the outcomes of the fight. See, there's a spiritual fight that's raging in the earth, and sometimes we think it's us that's responsible. Our part is obedience, but it's the Lord who is the real military leader in the conquest. And so they were received an assured victory. And of course, for Joshua, there was a great victory that day. The point I want to make is this. God could have defeated Jericho in an instant. But he chose to engage his people in the battle. And the people would walk in obedience and put their trust in God day after day. And God is still requiring obedience from his church and from his people today. God never wastes a moment in history to equip and teach his people. Here's our response in the middle of it. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. You all know this well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let the story of Jericho remind you that the Lord is with you and the Lord fights on your behalf, even if you don't see it. There are battles in the heavenly realms. That is the depth of God's love and engagement in our lives. Let the story of slow process to a breakthrough remind you to keep trusting in the goodness of God, regardless of what you see happening in the world. Regardless of how dark it is, how weird the world is to be a Christian in, how strange our times are. Don't lose sight 
of the goodness of God in the midst of all of it. Not all great battles are won in an instant, but we are an instant generation. We're living in a time where we believe God should be an on-demand God like TV is on-demand. Like when we pray, he should answer now. And we're living in a day where we expect results really fast. We want God to do what God should do right now and in our time and not in God's time, but not all battles are won in an instant. But if we'll walk in worship, if we'll walk in obedience, if we'll trust in in God and we know the depths of God's love for us, we'll trust him for his outcomes. And I speak from this picture of the battle of Jericho because I feel strongly that the church of Jesus Christ needs to grasp that God is in control even when the journey feels a little weird. Church, right now there is a battle for the soul of our nation and many Western nations for that matter. There is much that seems against our biblical worldview. But as followers of Jesus on the outward appearance, we can feel like we're losing ground and not gaining very much. The enemy is running rife in our world, releasing fear and anxiety, hopelessness and evil agendas attacking people's value and worth and destroying people's identity. And his agenda now is being seen on a global scale in an attempt to destroy the fabric of godly identity in a whole generation. He is spreading lies and he is spreading his evil agenda across the earth. It's getting darker and bleaker. But here's my reminder today. Remember, our call is simply as God's people to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because your own understanding at best is shaky ground. So stay submitted to the Lord. Stay grounded in his word and hold the course of obedience to the life that Christ has called you to. We have some laps of Jericho still to walk in our world today. Remember the love that surpasses knowledge, goes beyond the depths of your understanding. That is your firm foundation. That's what the world needs from you is God's unshakable love. See, we want to stand opposed to so many things as the church. We want to have a voice of injustice of what we feel is going wrong against us. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a voice, but we should pick our fight. Because what, what are we called to do? We are called to release the unshakable love of God to every person whom we come across on planet Earth. And we are called to trust God in the midst of the battle and continue to be a church that prays. And we forget that we've got the power of prayer. We want to fight everything verbally. We've got the power of prayer to win battles in the spiritual realm. And God is at work in the earth. And sometimes we don't see it and we wonder, what is God doing? So we better do something for God. And God says, just simply be still and know that I am God. And I am in control. Church of Jesus Christ, trust me. Trust me. Put your faith completely in me and know my love and release my love to others. Remember also that our fight, and this is how I will reference this this morning, is not against flesh and blood. If only the church would remember what Paul the Apostle wrote here in Ephesians and why he wrote it. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. He says this, verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? Against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against brother and sister. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We want to take what is a spiritual battle and make it a natural battle. Paul's reminding the church, your fight is not against flesh and blood. 
Your fight is not against someone who has a differing opinion to you. Your fight is not against someone else. Your fight is in the spiritual realm. And the enemy would love us to fight in the dirt. He'd love to get us into natural fights that aren't our fight and forget that we have a spiritual battle that's going on. He'd love to tell the church, forget about prayer, become activists. But, but the Lord wants to remind us that our fight is not against flesh and blood. Come on, we've got we to fight in the spiritual realm. Not every battle is won instantly. Like Joshua and the Israelite army, keep marching. Keep moving forward in faith. Keep worshiping and trusting in God that he is at work in the spiritual realm and he is fighting for us. Stay the course. Don't allow disillusionment to settle on our lives. God loves you and God is fighting for you. Remember when the temptation is to depart from trusting God, to find some other idol for our security or our identity. Be still and know that I am God. What is that? Remember the promises of God. Remember that Jesus has already won the ultimate victory. Remember that the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. Remember that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I felt God say, tell them that I am with them. Don't quit. Don't stop trusting God in the midst of uncertainty. Keep trusting in God for breakthrough, regardless if we have to do six or seven laps around Jericho. Don't stop trusting in God. Keep trusting in the promise that God is faithful in everything. He is faithful in the instant, and he's faithful in the process and the journey. For a few minutes as I bring this to a close, I thought I'd just better say that so Jeremiah knows that I'm nearly finished. I'm actually not, but we'll just say I am. That's lying in the platform. I want to talk to us today just quickly about how, how do we not only survive seasons like we're in now, because church, we're in a season that is difficult. We're in a time in history that is difficult, but there's been many times throughout history that have been difficult. You think it was challenging in Jesus' days when Jesus walked on the earth? But I want to talk about what it is to thrive, not just survive when the going gets tough. John 7, 37 to 38. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is a great passage that's become a prayer of mine as I worked through this message and over the last several weeks. Lord, if I'm going to make a difference in lives wherever I go, and that's my desire, and if I will keep strong in the midst of challenges and continue to display your love, then my strength comes from sheer will and determination. No, it doesn't. No, it comes from rivers of living water that flow through my life. By this, Jesus was referring, of course, to the Holy Spirit that would later be poured out at Pentecost. In this verse, we see Jesus spoke in a loud voice. It's the same verb that's translated cried out. So when we sometimes read this in our English, we, we misunderstand the importance of it. This is not just Jesus speaking up a little bit. This is Jesus crying out. This matters to Christ. And he wanted to make his claims to everybody. And he wanted everybody within his proximity to hear his proclamation. Of course, what is the setting for this? It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The last day was the day of spiritual observance, including an offering to God. The feast came about as a memorial to the wandering in the wilderness that the Israelites had done, where water and food was scarce. When God's people emerged from the desert into the land of Canaan, they enjoyed regular rainfall and plentiful crops. And the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles included daily the priests drawing water from the pool of Siloam, and pouring it out liberally at the altar. The pouring of the water as an offering 
was in memory of God's provision for thirsty people who found themselves in the wilderness. This was a collective offering for all the people performed by the priests. So this is the setting in which Jesus now cries out. And in verse 38, Jesus cries out, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said. So I understand Jesus' heart here. He is requiring an individual response of faith rather than just a collective observance of a ritual. And Jesus is referring to those who would respond in faith to him would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that would soon be poured out. I wonder if today in the church we are much thirstier than we realize. I wonder if in our faith and in the midst of the battle of this world, we're even a little bit dehydrated. As the priests would pour liberally water at the altar, God has promised to pour out his Holy Spirit on those who believe in Jesus Christ. And we know that our life in Christ is a daily surrender, not a once a week observance of a ritual. And I wish I had time to dive into this today. We're going to do this next year. It's part of the vision. But in other words, more than just a Sunday gathering, more than just a ritual, more than just a routine. This is relationship with Christ and an understanding that Christ with the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit that is the rivers of living water that will flow through our lives and make a difference in this world. It's the Holy Spirit that is the power to grasp the magnitude of God's love and his goodness. If I just pause for a moment, even though I was meant to be finishing. We have a lot of jaded, hurt, upset Christians walking around in our world today because we feel like we've been treated so poorly with so much injustice. And in so many ways, things have gone against us. It was never promised that life was going to be easy. In fact, if you read the words of Jesus and follow the teachings of Jesus, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, for I've overcome the world. If they hated me, they will also hate you. And Jesus talked about the world that would be difficult, that we would find ourselves in. And this is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can grasp the depths of God's love for us and be reminded of the goodness of God. We should be able to walk through the darkest of times and still have a great declaration about the goodness of God in our world. But so much of the time we're busy complaining about the way we are being treated. But when it gets darker, guess what happens? The promise of Scripture, what Jesus said, is the light will increase all the more. Yeah. And so what we've got to do is focus on the goodness of God in the world today. In Ezekiel, watch the powerful transformation of a life that has the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It is the Holy Spirit that causes us to live effective lives as representatives of Christ. It's not sheer will and determination. It's not in our own human effort. We surrender to Jesus our daily lives, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are transformed from the inside out. The church is helpless without the Holy Spirit. As I've said before, the Holy Spirit is not a power for us to get a hold of, but the Holy Spirit wants to get a hold of our lives. I wonder if the Holy Spirit really has a hold of us. What I know is that the Holy Spirit is attracted to those who surrender to Jesus, those who respond to him and keep their life in his hands. As the worship team comes up, 
to join me. In a moment, we're going to sing together. And my prayer is that we would simply take a moment to surrender afresh to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we would reach out and surrender. And I pray that those who are thirsty, and you'll know, how jaded are you as a follower of Christ? How weary are you in your faith? How disappointed are you? How frustrated are you? How thirsty are you? And I pray if you're thirsty that you would reach out and be filled again to overflowing that rivers of living water would flow through your life. Some of you are dry right now and thirsty. So reach out and fresh surrender and invite God's presence to touch your life. Some of you, the dry seasons need to end. I did this last week at Levita too, but I prophesy. I pray we'll just get into an attitude of prayer right now. I prophesy that new growth is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And it will begin from that place of deep surrender. Let it be your cry that you would come into a new season of fruitfulness in the Holy Spirit. Be reminded today, Church of Jesus Christ, of the goodness of God. Be reminded of His love for you. Be filled again with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. Be refreshed and filled with fresh awe and wonder at the goodness of God. This Christmas, let I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you afresh with awe and wonder. What has God done for us through sending Christ? Let that be what we'll carry into, we'll carry into our lives as ministers of the gospel wherever we go. Let's make this a time of worship and ministry today. Whatever you want or whatever you need it to be. If you're dry and thirsty, reach out to God for your refreshing and a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. For some of you, you're weary from the fight. The fight's been wearying. Turn the fight over to the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. He fights for you. Remember today that your fight is not against flesh and blood, brother and sister. So surrender the battle. Whatever it is for you, surrender the battle to Him. For others, receive a fresh impartation of God's love by receiving afresh the power today to grasp the magnitude of his unending love. If you're able, would you stand just for a few moments? Whatever you need today, here's one of the keys. Respond. Respond. Get a bit bolder in your response. God's looking for hungry hearts and responsive hearts. And I I believe today we need to activate our faith. So don't be passive. So much of the church is passive. We're passive. Lord, if you would, would you do this? We've almost lost our declaration of faith. We've, we've lost our authority that Jesus Christ gave us. Sometimes we lay it down. I feel like God's saying, come on, church. Be, don't be passive. Be bold. Lean in in your declarations. Lean in in your prayer. Lean in in your trust. Lean in to the goodness of God. You know the promises of God in the Word. You know the end of the story. You know what God has promised. So lean in and trust Him. Lean in to His promises in Scripture. Don't be passive. Let another Sunday go by. I was good, good at church today. Well, the preaching was okay. Worship was good. It was a little bit hot. Maybe it was a little bit dark. No, no, come on, we, we're going to be a responsive church. Yeah. Not just gather on a Sunday for the sake of gathering on a Sunday, but understanding the name we gather under, yes. the promises of Christ. We're not going to be passive. Activate your faith. Lift your hands if you need to. Kneel, sit, come out the front and fresh surrender. Sing at the top of your lungs or be silent and listen for God. Yeah. Whatever you need to do, maybe you've got to walk around this room seven times 
today. I don't know what it is that you need to do, but God's looking for you to be responsive and to be bold in your faith. The point is this, as we sing, go after God with what you need today. Trust in him. He's waiting for a response of faith. The song we've chosen for this morning, which the team has been good enough to learn for us. It's a song we've been singing at Levita for a few weeks. It's an old hymn that was redone in 2019 called The Goodness of God. And I just want you to take these few moments while we sing this song and reach out to him in fresh surrender. Be bold in your response to him. Come on, he is a good God. There's so much to thank God for this Christmas. And I'm praying for the church across the West that the jaded nature of who we've become would go and something fresh would be deposited in our hearts this Christmas. It's been tough for the whole world, actually, the last several years. But come on, we're going to believe for something fresh to touch God's people. But God's looking across here. Come on, who's responding to me? Who's responding to God in faith? Come on, we're going to sing whatever you need to do. You do it for these next few moments as we worship God together.